3: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
2: Listen to Rapaports Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport.
3: And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. Before we begin, I want to give a big thank you to my team, the team that makes this show happen every week. Thank you, Grace and Cole for graphics, Pepper Chambers, the hot one for writing, Angelo Greco and Anna Mesa for social media, Tiffany Hale for everything, Erica Eklund for Patreon support and production by the folks at Large Media. That's L-A-R-J Media. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt once said, well-behaved women rarely make history. When I think of Carmen Eulene Cruz, that quote comes to mind. She is the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico. She came to national prominence when she challenged President Donald J. Trump.
4: So get out of the way, President Trump, and let the people that can do the job get the job done. He's a liar and a racist, and he continues to try to belittle the people of Puerto Rico. But so an insult from President Trump is well received on my part because that means he knows that I'm nothing like him.
0: We talk about how it is important to give a shit. Do no harm, do good, and take no shit. Yeah, everything's good. We're recording. It's just us together, just us, misfit women. So I want to talk to you about the island of misfit black girls. You may recall,
4: yes, right
0: during the campaign. I think you even jumped in there, but yeah. So you're welcome on the island of misfit black girls. You're a misfit Puerto Rican girl yourself. Tell me, tell, tell, tell me about that. We're we're in good company with misfit. Girls from all walks of life who stand up and speak truth to power. What does it feel like to be a misfit?
4: Well, first of all, let me thank you. It's, it's so good to see you. I know you we've, we've kept in touch after uh, the campaign, but it's always good, especially in this COVID era where you cannot touch people. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Nina and I are very touchy. We're the kind of people that grab onto you and hold to you. and. And hold you very tight. and We're huggers. High five, we're huggers. So, yes. so COVID is, is very difficult. And, and one of the things that, that happened during that time is that I've, I've noticed uh, as being part of this misfit class of 1963, because my mother said, I, I never really belonged any place because what, whenever there is something wrong, you speak up. Yes, And what happens is that others that do not care for people to tell the truth, then all of a sudden they call you misfit, maladjusted, crazy, socialist.
0: Troublemaker.
4: Troublemaker, nasty women, as the president (laughs) called me. Um,
0: Oh, we gonna get to that, man. We gonna get to that. Which was a badge
4: of honor when he did. But, But what that means truly is that they come from a place of not being able to and not wanting to understand the richness that, number one, diversity brings to the equation, and number two, of not wanting to understand how every voice counts. It's like in a choir. You have the altos and the sopranos, and you have the people that do the the melody, but when it all comes together, it's it's an enormous uh, bountiful of of, of enlightenment. The, these people are not are not at all uh, enlightened because they think that they hold the truth and nothing but the truth, but that the truth belongs to them. And I often said, and you mentioned being a Puerto Rican, that there there's a portion of the Constitution of the United States that is very important. Says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, and of course we know now women, yes. but they meant men, white men over a certain age that were property owners. That's right. So that didn't include everybody, but that we are all endowed by our Creator with certain, certain unalienable rights, rights, right? Yes. Life, liberty, and the pursuit, and the pursuit of pursuit happiness. happiness eh, so yes. what what does that mean? That if you were not part of that group the creator didn't endow you with those rights, that if you are a member of a minority group, the creator did not endow you with those rights. And of course, that's not what that means. Uh, And and often when people say, I don't want Medicare for all. I don't want everybody to access healthcare. Then they call you a misfit. Uh, when, When we use our voice, and yes, sometimes we have to scream to make our point. Then they call you a misfit.
0: They do. Well, I've been a misfit for a very long time.
4: And and you, and you are one of the most adjusted people that I know. I was looking at a Martin Luther King clip uh, two days ago, I think it was. And it said, I'm content with being maladjusted. Because that means that I do not take discrimination. Come on. I do not take um oppression. I do not take injustice. I will never adjust to other people being discriminated against and And those that say that you and I are misfit, what they mean is they don't agree with the kind of justice that you and I know it's possible for everybody, including those that right. as misfits.
0: I so agree, Euline. But it brings me to something that uh, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt once said, well-behaved women rarely make history. Hello, somebody. That's yeah. us. We making history.
4: She also said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So true. And and, and
0: it doesn't matter what they call you. Yeah. It's what you answer to.
4: Well, it, uh, yesterday and I think it was yesterday, you retweeted um, a portion of an interview with Malcolm X. I did. And they were asking him why he was not going by his Muslim name. That's right. And he said, well, as long as the conditions prevail that gave me that name, I have to use my name to bring purpose to what I'm doing. And and that is true. Uh you, you're doing this podcast precisely because the fight does not end when certain things are over. Uh because because we entered those other fights because of the overarching fight that's much more important.
0: That's right. I and mean, speaking of fights, and you know, yes, May nineteenth is Minister Malcolm X's birthday. And I'm so glad you picked up on that. That was a very strong interview. I mean, he doesn't, he's not talked about as much, but the impact that he had on the history of this nation and the world is equal to our other civil rights giants. He did it his own way. You know, he did it a different way, but I believe very much he was the yin to the yang. We need balance. Everybody can't do it the same way, fight for justice the same way. But when you bring them all together, they are completing that circle. So talking about fighting against injustice Hurricane Maria, which brought you to the attention of the man in the White House. And you were very clear about what was going on on the island of Puerto Rico. I mean, you are the mayor of San Juan, but very much for all of us, you are the mayor of Puerto Rico and you are running for governor. We're going to get to that. But you said that the the president, you said he's killing us with inefficiency. You also criticize and critique the fact that he would come to the island and throw stuff at the people of Puerto Rico instead of, it was paper towels, I think. Thank God it was not canned goods because he just doesn't think. You have been a solid critic of President Donald J. Trump. And you've been speaking out for justice. What motivates you to do that? And how has that administration failed the people of Puerto Rico?
4: i as as you know I'm very little in size
0: but you're mighty.
4: I was even smaller when I was in in first grade and, and kindergarten and and I used to get bullied in the sandbox. This is true story, and my grandmother once said, "Look, you can't keep coming home beaten up. you have to stand up to these people because if you don't stand up to these people, I mean you may win or you may lose, but if you don't stand up and fight you will lose within yourself. You will lose yourself. Um, so she told me, you you hit as hard as you can, you run as fast as you can, and you speak as loud as you can. And I remember in the first night of that horrible time and that literally very dark time uh, for us, in Irma and Maria, when all of a sudden I, I recalled that lesson And I realized that in times of crises, you have only two things that you can do. You can either use your voice to speak truth to power and tell the truth, or you can be silent and be complicit to a narrative that will continue to hurt you only to try and receive the approval of people that really do not give a crap about whether you live or die. So, um, um, I, I think you can hear my dogs, you know, we almost can say, who let the dogs out? Um, <laughs> the, the two, two, two months, and and, you, and and this really has to do with what we're talking about, and I, and I'll get to that. Yes. Two months that nobody gave them the time of the day because they were mutts that I picked them up from the street. So we, who was going to expect them to have strong voices? Um, and, and, and my grandmother, who was a very poor woman, um, she really literally crawled her way from extreme poverty because of education. That's why I'm such a fervent believer in education as a great equalizer and that everyone must have access to education if they want it. Not based on how much money they have, but based on how much um, they want it, and 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 how much they can uh, support themselves through it.
0: So well, based on desire.
4: And, yes. And not, yes. Yeah. So so I I learned from this very small but very feisty woman that you have to go after the truth, no matter what the cost of it. And it was interesting because be, before that press conference, I was told by every advisor that really cared about me, do not do it. Do not step on this man's toe. He is going to pulverize you politically. You're going to ruin your political career. And I said, I'm going to ruin my life if I don't tell the truth. And, and that became, uh, it was like a like a big ball of snow. One voice got sharper. Than the other and sharper than the other, and it, it really—I'm—I'm I'm so humble to say that it brought the attention of important people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and President Clinton, and it brought the attention of a man whom I never will forget. He sold his Harley Davidson in California to pay his way to come to Puerto Rico. And be part of a group of volunteers that heard my voice. And people would tell me, I'm here because I heard you. I saw you on TV. And, and look, I didn't know who was going to be listening. So this goes to tell us, one, is that we all have a voice. This crap that people say, the voiceless, no, we all have a voice. Your platform may be larger or smaller. But do you have a voice in your PTA group? You have a voice in your choir, you have a voice in your church, you have a voice in your community um, group that talks about how to make better the park in, in your area. You always have a voice.
0: So there's always...
4: Yeah, you have to know that there is power just in using that voice. And if one person listens, good. If millions listen, good. But you have to stand up and, and be counted
1: Listen to a brand new season of math and magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
0: No, we do. And, and it just leads me to just thinking about. I mean, you you just you pierce, you prick the consciousness of people and to have that gentleman, you said that came from college, I mean, selling his Harley Davidson, that is a really big deal to come and volunteer just reminded me of what, you know, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm once said that service is the rent that we pay for our time here on earth. And then MLK said that we all can be great because we all can serve. And so those two things go hand in hand. And here you are mayor in the 21st century, not only speaking those words, but you live those words from the very dogs that you have. That's Victoria and Toto To what you do in service to your community, and you stand up and you went against the advice of those advisors. Let me tell you something I am a kindred spirit with you because I've gone against the advice of many advisors and went out there to do the right thing. And I think that is what
4: one thing, one thing, Nina, when this happens, magical things start to happen. All of a sudden, there I was at the largest coliseum in Puerto Rico, Roberto Clemente is its name. Yes. And there I was with Reverend Jesse Jackson that all of a sudden heard that voice and came to Puerto Rico and came to see me. And I'm standing there with Randy Weingarten, a Jewish lesbian president of the American Federation of Teachers. And I'm standing there with members of what, what is called Operation Blessing, which is an NGO from Pat Robertson's organization. So So picture this. And all of a sudden, Operation Blessing, a conservative organization from Pat Robertson, Reverend Pat Robertson, is joining with the AFT and its president to come up with what was called Operation Aqua. And it was the uh, American Federation of Teachers raised more than a million dollars to put in every classroom in Puerto Rico a Kohler, um, water purifier. That was about $30 each. You know, when I used to think about Kohler, and this is the thing about using your voice, it twists your world upside down and it gives you different perspectives. When I used to think about Kohler, I used to see it at restaurants, expensive restaurants. I never had one at home. And all of a sudden, Kohler was not the mark of an expensive brand. It was the mark of somebody that was coming to your aid to give clean water to children in the schools of Puerto Rico through the American Federation of Teachers. So you, if you use your voice, people will come together that you could have not foreseen coming together. And the other thing that happens is that it expands your horizon.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I meet
4: people, I meet people like you. And the fight and the struggle and, and the soul that you bring to everything that you do. I met people like um uh, people picking strawberries in oxnard, california and and their struggle as migrant workers to be respected and I met people in Chinatown and and heard about their struggles, w- which through this pandemic, is a different kind of struggle. Yes, but you is. see there there's a thread uh, of importance that every human being has. That really is the threat that keeps humanity together. And, and you understand that we are just, uh, but a portion of this huge kaleidoscope of all different kinds of colors, all different kinds of face, all different kinds of loves. But we all come together and we have to embrace even those that have yet to see the light.
0: Agreed. And you know, it reminds me of the quilt. You know, I had an an aunt and she made quilts and all of the different pieces being woven together to make the whole, Mary, that's what you're talking about with this kaleidoscope. And I'm just getting the visual here. I mean, this is so beautiful. And, and, and basically what we are saying to people, because this message is really about all of us have a purpose. And all of us can use our time, our talent, and our treasure to be part of what Brother Mahatma Gandhi once said: "Be the change that we want to see in the world." Now, speaking of change, or Michael
4: Jackson said, "I'm starting with the man in the come on, I'm helping him to change his way."
0: Yes.
4: If you want to and make no a message. Place, yes. come on, if you You're want to make the clearer. world a better place, take a look at yourself and, and make, make
0: a change. change.
4: Yes. yes, come on
0: now, now, uh, Mayor. I don't know if we can start a singing group, but we're gonna we'll leave that to somebody, somebody else. <laughs> that was beautiful. So, you served in the legislature. In Puerto Rico, right? You were in the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. You and I had that in common. Our paths kind of crossed then, and we really didn't know it. I mean, I served in the Ohio Senate around the same time that you were in the legislature there. You became the minority whip. I was the minority whip in the Senate. I'm going to tell you, that's why you and I get along so well, because we know how to whip it. People better understand what a minority whip does. Just beautiful. And then you ran for mayor and you've been the mayor of San Juan Puerto Rico since 2013. You have led through many crises that that Island has faced most recently. And you have been the most vocal visible voice for the people. And now you are running for governor mayor. Mayor. What makes you want to go leave the frying pan and get into the fire please we want to know
4: well um it it comes a moment when you realize there are fundamental transformations that need to take place and i I remember one time hearing you say if things don't change nothing's going to change if things don't fundamentally change nothing is going to change and then we look at situations like the two hurricanes the two earthquakes that hit the southern and southwestern part of Puerto Rico and the pandemic that has hit the world. And lo and behold, it's always the ones that have less, the ones that get screwed the most. It's always the ones that don't have access to healthcare, the ones that don't have access to good education, the ones whose medical plan is attached to their job, but they lose their job. And in this pandemic, not necessarily because people are evil, just because there's not people out there going to spend their money in the traditional places. And you realize that in order for things to be fair, a new social contract has to be developed. A social contract that respects people And that allows people to contribute for what they have and what they can bring to the table, not for how much money they have. And then I look at the city of San Juan City where we, when I became mayor, if you went into the municipal hospital or one of the eight health clinics owned by the municipality, there was this little piece of paper that you would um, write your name and and your basic information, and it asked you if you were a citizen of the United States. And if you were not a citizen of the United States, medical was not provided to you. Or they immediately ask you, how are you going to pay for it? Well, I'm sorry, but you know, the law says that if you go into an emergency care and you're given birth, You have to be treated, period. Yeah, you have to be treated, but then there comes a bill behind you that you cannot possibly afford. And then I went into a school in San Juan and it was Education's Week. And I saw this on a bulletin board where children were to say what they wished for their school. And I tell you this and I get a little emotional. And one child said, I want my school to have toilet paper, and clean bathrooms. My God. And the child of a well-to-do family would never have to write that in a bulletin board. Um, you know, we have private schools in Puerto Rico where, where there's a little um, a little Wendy's and a little Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, so that you can purchase your food. So, So you start looking at the inequities. And you realize that you came from a family that was dirt poor, that through education, they put you in the position that you could run for mayor of San Juan. And you realize you have a debt to pay forward. And as my grandmother used to say, progress isn't progress if it just touches a few. We all have to come to the starting line with pretty much the same capabilities what we do in the race it's up to us but the race also has to be um
0: level and it's not a level right yeah.
4: now you look at chicago african americans and latinos are dying more in chicago more in la more in new york from this pandemic and i have to i have to include our our brothers and sisters from the asian community also more why because they have to go out there to get a job to work. Because if they don't work, they don't get paid. Which is why it's so important that this fair wage is 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 instituted. And and you realize that those in power that want more, they they continue to be greedy. They will not yet let you have it. They will not, out of the goodness of their heart, say, you know what rather than making a hundred million dollars an hour and paying my workers starvation wages, like Walmart does. And I have nothing against Walmart. I have something against how much money they make and how they don't share a portion of that with the workers. Well, it's
0: predatory. I mean, it's really predatory. Capitalism It's excessive greed, right? We don't have a problem with wealth. But we do have a problem with people making that wealth off of the backs and the misery of other people and quite frankly how much do you need at a certain point especially when you're making money hand over fist i mean even during this covid virus the eight wealthiest white men and they were white i mean i would say it if they were black or puerto rican or any other but they are white wealthiest people like jeff bezos people like warren buffett you know, making money hand over fist. Meanwhile, there are 40 million people who have just applied for unemployment benefits. And if we look at the Amazon workers by, for example, these workers have to protest. Some Amazon workers mayors, you know were fired because they were revealing to the rest of the world their work conditions. And right now in this pandemic, Amazon is really a necessity. I mean, it really is an absolute necessity. And Jeff Bezos has the opportunity and also responsibility to really come out and be a compassionate corporation. You know, he really could do a paradigm shift within Amazon, just use Amazon for an example. We can name many others, but in the face of even the pandemic to still make millions upon millions of dollars, Meanwhile, back in the factory, back in the plant, so many people are suffering. It's just something unconscionable about that type of mindset in not only in the United, but in the world, because we know that our sisters and brothers are suffering suffering. everywhere. It just does not make sense. You know, I had a chance to talk to Michael Rinder, AKA killer Mike, and he brought up a term and I want you to react to it. He said, we need to work towards compassionate capitalism. Do you think that is something that can be gained? And if so, how can we get there?
2: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared.
5: Delve into the visceral world of hip hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel every Thursday, each episode provides an in depth exploration into the formative artists. to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go.
2: We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials
1: cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts.
4: Um, yes, I think it's something that can be gained, but it it is something that has to be worked for. It isn't the compassion isn't gonna come from the top down; it's gonna come from the bottom up. I'll give you an example. We have a law in Puerto Rico. It's called Law Twenty Two. That law was in principle made so that millionaires would move into Puerto Rico. Move their capital here and do very minimal things like giving ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, to non-governmental organizations, uh, in order to pay zero, Nina, zero income tax. I've said when I am governor of Puerto Rico, I'm going to repeal that legislation. Uh, it makes no sense that a millionaire makes. Millions and pays zero and has no social contribution whatsoever. But one of the things that they were supposed to do was give out ten thousand dollars to non governmental organizations. Well, yesterday there was a a, a news um, in Por- in Puerto Rico saying that people millionaires from Law Twenty Two were going to go to court to contest having to give ten thousand dollars at this point in time when ngos are really stepping up ten thousand freaking dollars they don't want to give them. so you, you know they, they, it is the people that always get screwed that have to realize that it doesn't have to be that way i uh, was right. speaking to jessica benjamin who's uh, a psychoanalyst uh very, very famous in the United States and around the world. And she was telling me, you know, it's this thing that they have put into our mind that in order for somebody to have something, somebody else has to, has to give something us, lose something. Us, right. lose yes. something. And That's she says, right. and you know what? That doesn't have to be that way. Um, The Amish live in a community uh example. I'm not saying that we should all become Amish, but I'm saying that there are examples there where it works. Um, You know, when Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta started organizing all of the migrant workers, that was the thing. If I get water put uh, right in the middle of the field, or if I get a holiday pay, the AFL-CIO has done great work there. Well, yes, the person that is on top no, it's not going to lose anything. They're going to have to share some of what you have helped them achieve.
0: Collective responsibility. It's
4: collective responsibility. And, yes. and it's, it's people like, like Gandhi. You know, Gandhi walked all over to the ocean and made salt. Well, the symbolism of that is, look here. You know, at that time, it was Great Britain. Look here, Britain. You are taking the salt from my people, making them work on salt mines, and you are selling it. Well, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. Th- this was the nonviolent purpose. And again, we go to Dr. Martin Luther King. Yes. Behind people not using the buses.
0: Montgomery bus boycott, 1955.
4: And what was it doing? It would cripple financially those that were oppressing the african-american community but have put into the african-american community mind if you don't have a bus you won't be able to ride to your work and you won't make a living and your family will go poor well guess what they were already poor that's it people rose to the occasion
0: they did
4: what i am looking for in terms of wanting to become governor is that the puerto rican people have an opportunity to have a government that will be underside and will help them rise to the occasion. I just came from a meeting um, of the governing board of uh, uh, an organization called CRIM. This is where all the property taxes in Puerto Rico go to, and they are divided uh, in a very nice way. amongst the 78 municipalities, the municipality of San Juan receives about $124 million in property taxes every year. We put into a common pot $74 million, which are then distributed amongst the other municipalities. Now, some people may say, no, why we shouldn't? Yes, we should. Because those that have more Have to give more. Somewhere in the Bible, it says that.
0: To whom much is given, much is required.
4: There you go. Amen. amen. And another way of saying it, Peter Parker's uncle told him when he was wrestling with being Spider-Man, those that have more power have more responsibility.
0: It is a universal truth, Mayor. Even if it's coming from a comic book hero, how about That's that? Right. Hello, somebody. Well, Mayor, you are a servant leader. There's no other way to describe you, and you follow in the great tradition of servant leaders from all walks of life every generation produces those type of leaders and you are one. And those leaders sometimes have elected titles. Many times servant leaders are not, have never ever been elected to office, but we need more servant leaders like you who are not you, that you care more about the next generation than you do about the next election. But we need you there to be able to do great and powerful things. So I want to ask you, Mary, you, You on your, when you announced that you were running for governor, you did it on the day that slavery in Puerto Rico was abolished. Slavery in Puerto Rico was abolished on March the 22nd, 1873. You announced your candidacy deliberately on purpose. This wasn't by accident. You were sending a message both symbolically and also with your rhetoric, but you announced your candidacy to become the governor of Puerto Rico on March 22nd, 2019. That was 146 years past slavery being abolished in Puerto Rico. Why did you, you could have picked any day. Why that day in particular?
4: because chains needed to be broken. And for us to have the kind of society, fair and equitable society that we need, other types of chains have to be broken. The chain of colonialism, the chain of excessive greed, the chain that says that at one point Puerto Rico produced 13 out of the 21 medications most used in the world, but we couldn't buy them at lower prices. They were put in boxes shipped to the U.S. and then resend back to us.
0: At higher prices.
4: At, at higher, even sometimes the workers that couldn't put, uh, you know, could, that that uh, manufacture them could not purchase them. My
0: goodness. So
4: chains of colonialism, chains of greed, and, and frankly, chains of how we feel. And, and I love that you're doing this podcast because that is about like the third of the many lessons that I've learned during crises. Once you have a platform, it is your responsibility and your duty, unquestionably so, to ensure that other voices are magnified. Because we never know, Nina, if there's a woman out there listening to us when, whenever the broadcast goes or, or is, is uh, repeated. That is grappling with a problem of domestic violence. And she thinks she's powerless. And she thinks because she's Latina and poor and a woman of color, nobody's going to listen. But people have to know that somebody is always listening and that your voice is like that stone that you throw into a pond. And then the ripple effect starts to happen. So one tiny voice gets picked up and magnified and magnified and magnified, and it touches other people and other voices. So, so I did it on that day because I am the great granddaughter of a sugarcane plantation worker.
0: Your grandfather,
4: a man that broke his back, and my grandmother. Was the first one in her home to learn to read and write.
0: And look at their granddaughter.
4: And I am two generations removed from extreme poverty. And extreme poverty is not having food on the table and not having the possibility of food stamps to help you. Extreme poverty. You don't work, you don't eat. You don't grow it, you don't eat. And the problem is that right now, There are children all over Puerto Rico, children all over the United States, children all over the world that are in extreme poverty, who have a voice, whose voices must be heard. And it is upon those of us that have a a microphone, an iPhone, a Facebook, uh, whatever. Look, even if it's just a sign that you hold up and say, speak the truth. We can always communicate with our actions, with our words. And I don't know if you want to bleep it, but, you know, we must take no shit, period.
0: I'm with you, man. Take none.
4: Take none whatsoever. Even when people are throwing it at you, there is an appropriate, forceful way without being belligerent. Um, and, and even if they call us and, and look, y- you are the perfect example. You speak truth to power in the way that you are comfortable with, uh, you know, Latinos, we use our, our hands a lot.
0: We do too. In the African-American community too. Sometimes so.
4: people say, oh no, they're too loud.
0: Same thing. They
4: scream too much. Same. They're too passionate. Yes and there is nothing wrong with putting your point out there with your mind and with your heart. Come on. Because sometimes people will hear the facts in the numbers and sometimes people will hear the facts in the heart.
0: Hello somebody. Mayor, that is it. You talk 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 that talk. You know, when you talk about take no shit. No, you've like this
4: thing about Virgin Mary. Yes. Uh her her scapulars, you know. There's a green for this and a brown for this uh, and the virgin mary appeared in mexico and she was a little darker and then she's you know why because what
0: the black madonna yeah yes
4: what is trying to do is i will speak to you in the tongue that you will understand but i will make sure that my goal is to communicate and i don't communicate unless there is something that is planted within you that makes you say enough is enough. I'm not going to take it anymore.
0: Well, Mary, you truly are a ripple. You are in your own right. And it has been, you remind me, you know, I talk about my grandmother's three bones all the time. And I think today we talk about backbone baby all the way, and you have so much of it and we are so blessed to have you. It's been one of the highlights of my life to serve on the Sanders campaign, along with you and our two other gentlemen coaches, yes. but we really did a lot indeed, but we, we definitely put a lot of our heart out there for this campaign and you are doing that. Yeah,
4: and we still have a lot more fight left in us. Oh yeah.
0: We're not going anywhere. Contrary to what distract detractors may want. We are staying right here, but you are indeed mayor, a ripple effect in your own right. And we are so incredibly blessed to have your leadership, not only on the island of Puerto Rico, but in the United States of America. And dare I say the world, so many people look up to you. You are a beacon of hope and you it have shown, shown very, very no, no, you are you a very are. much a beacon of hope.
4: I'm, I, I truly am. I am the echo of, of so many voices well, that understand that we are so much more powerful when we speak together, even though there may be certain differences our goal is the exact same one and it comes from the heart that's
0: right and it should be justice so you made me think of a, a sign that one of my a staffers used to have by her desk and it the words were do no harm take no shit okay no so shit. that's what we're talking right. about so we can change that do no harm do good and take no shit That's our, that's our, that's our way forward, man. Thank you so very much. So now we're going to cut here. Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
2: Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
3: me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk